from the creators of Relevant Magazine, this is The Relevant Podcast. Friday, June 29th, 2018, and it's The Relevant Podcast. I'm your host, Cameron Strang, and here with me in our Orlando studio, on the ones and twos, our illustrious producer, Chandler Strang, my brother. I was kind of looking around. I Man, like, it's I don't an all-Skype so. episode. <laughs> uh, on the Skype line from Loverland, Virginia, Jesse Carey. Hello, hello. Joining us from Nashville, Tennessee, Tyler Huckabee. Hey, everybody. And joining us still from Toronto, Canada, they won't let her leave, Annie F. Downs. <laughs> Good morning, gents. Uh, Cameron, you didn't call me an extraordinaire, so nah, I'm, just, I'm more concerned about the fact you're stuck in Canada. But. Right? No, no, yeah, I'm concerned about the diplomatic situation. You calls an international incident. They found right? out someone associated with her podcast is there, and, and, and you're not getting. They won't out. let me out. They yeah. won't let me what's out. The, what's the story, Annie? I didn't even know. I, I didn't know you were like stuck up there. Is uh, is there a problem with your green card? Per usual, yeah. I usually I, the last probably four flights I've had have all had me stuck in my location for significantly longer than I planned mm. to be. It mm. has caused me to rage like you have not seen your Annie F rage before. Here, here, here's what's going on, I think. I've seen Born Identity, and what you need is a lot of different... Uh, you need a lot of different identities a for different all of your different... Yeah, to get across the border, because one doesn't cut it. You need, you need like wrong. 10 in a, in a locked That's box with a secret <laughs> password and an eye like scanning that scans your eyeball to uh, get into. Yeah. You need one of those in Toronto... Uh, in China, everywhere you go across the globe, and uh, yeah, you're right. I, I've I, done don't, this. I don't mean to, I don't mean to mansplain this to you. You're a well-traveled woman, <laughs> but it does sound like this is an issue. Like this is one of those embarrassing one passport kind of stories. <laughs> a classic blunder. Tyler, that's it's nice for you to deflect. And, and listen, I don't want to get political, and I don't want to start the show off on that foot. But you know, there's a lot of talk about these tariffs that are going around. Oh. I didn't understand them. Oh. Admittedly, they're very complicated. We're in a trade war with our neighbor yeah. to the north. Right. The podcast tariff has gone into place. Yeah. We didn't know to record someone in Canadian borders is now tariffed. It's tariffed, okay? And in order for us to get Annie out, we owe we owe the government of Canada $700,000. Canada, we're not paying either. We're not paying. I was paying. about to say, I love you guys and I appreciate your hearts. Do not pay $700,000 for me. I didn't know about this. Tariff. I'm not worth $700,000. Or 30 Casper mattress ads, which yeah, we also yeah. can't, we, we, we don't, we, we can't do that anymore. I am worth that. We've got to eat down me. here too. We've all got, we got mouths to feed. Yeah. Listen, they said they would let this slide. If we design them, if we design the government of Canada, Squarespace box and get Justin Trudeau, a blue apron subscription, but listen, <laughs> standards are standards. It's a, that, it's a trade war and there's no compromise. It's that not called the tariff piece. The, the, the Canadian treasury got confused because I tweeted that America's national treasure was in Toronto and they, they're like, well, we're locking it down. And, and now Annie's stuck up there. Let me tell you something about the art of the deal. Okay. I am the art of the deal. Apparently. You've been once and suddenly you're the sucker and we're not going to be suckers again, not with Canada and not again. You're there until they back down. I'm there. I'm all the way from Toronto, Canada, unable to leave. But the two, the two <laughs> identity thing, the two passport thing is a real thing, though, with international travel. Like I, because uh, there were there was a few years there where Relevant was doing a lot of stuff in the Middle East and covering some issues over there, and I traveled to like Lebanon to like 
look at the refugee crisis coming from Syria and stuff like that. And then we've spent a lot of time in Palestine and in Israel. And I was advised by the people taking me that if I have a Lebanon stamp on my passport, I will not be allowed into Israel and vice versa. And wow. so they advised me to what? get another passport and, what? And, and have your Lebanon Palestine stamps in one and your Israel only stamps in the other one. That's crazy. So, oh, so this says cool. that you are Jasper Butterworth the third. Is that correct? <laughs> that's me. That's me. Welcome to Gaza. Gaza. Welcome to Gaza, Jasper. <laughs> Mr. Buttersworth. <laughs> All right, Mr. Butterworth the third. Welcome. Welcome to Gaza. What could go wrong here? Hey, we have a great show in store for you today. Coming up later, this is really cool. You might have heard last week on This American Life, they did their entire episode yeah. uh, was based on uh, church planning because one of their uh, because the the very popular s- podcast called Startup is basing their new season on church planners and uh, Startup's yeah. very own Eric Minnell is coming up on the show later today to talk about that super cool yeah this was so, yeah this was so much fun to talk to um talk to Eric you know I'm a, as you guys know I've talked about this American life a bunch I love it I'm a big fan of Gimlet and and startups in particular Chandler you're a big startup oh, yeah. fan aren't you yeah most I, I do I like a lot of Gimlet yeah. shows so it was and he's produced a lot of the he's like the mastermind behind a lot of those yep. Gimlet shows and so I got to hear kind of his background as you'll hear in the interview Eric's actually a Christian and you know had pitched the idea that you you know for startup which is a show that's really popular among like I would say like entrepreneurs but also just people they're great storytellers kind of pitch the idea that man look at how deep this world of church planting goes i think a lot of people will see the appeal in it so it was fun to get to talk to eric you'll hear that coming up you hear about setting up the chairs beforehand you hear about tearing them down afterwards the list goes on and on it's a full narrative putting the big banner out by the road like putting it right in the grass and then somebody afterwards going and getting it out of the grass really certain i gotta tell you man i think there's a couple things missing in these episodes one's puppet ministry i'm assuming that's the finale uh the second is how important is the witty church song you know come to ch underscore underscore ch what's missing you are eric come on man i was expecting this 101 you're but a pro. we get into that and more you're a pro who am i who am i to to question an award-winning journalist but you know we get we get into it it gets heated and ugly and uh eric so i'm, speaking I'm surprised so. are you you know it was this american life that that kind of first debuted this last week uh i'm surprised you didn't have your good friend ira glass yeah. on to talk about it yeah, that's I mean, interesting. We that, you know, I, I, again, I don't, right. I don't mean a big time. Okay, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not a hot right. shot. I'm not a black card right. holder from Chick Fil A. But I will say this: Ira and I did exchange emails this week about this. Oh, they literally yeah, you did this week. Now. Yeah. Yeah. <gasps> yeah we, 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 we had we exchanged emails from time. You know, we, well, here's the thing. Here, the context is: I interviewed Ira for a profile in the mag that ran in the cover uh, two uh, a year two and a half ago or so, yeah. something like that. Um, and since then, we've kind of kept up about different things uh, related to stories about faith in the news. And then I talked to him more recently for two issues ago. He produced the movie Come Sunday, uh, uh, starring Chiwetel Ejiofor, about uh, the story of Carlton Pearson. So we talked for a while uh, about that movie and have kind of followed up about various things. So, I, I mean, look, I don't want to, like, overstate the nature of the relationship, but we're, yeah. he's pretty much my best friend. <laughs> <laughs> You guys, you guys just send funny. Uh, you, you send 
You send links of like, you know, stories about faith and culture back and forth. And then it's just now it's just kind of memes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And like funny gifs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And uh, I call him late night and he never answers, but uh, it hurts my but feelings. But you keep calling. You keep calling because that's what best friends do, calling. Jesse. Like, yeah, exactly. I thought we... <laughs> Oh, we're buds. So no, no. But uh, and startup, you know, was it was turned into like a TV show. Like Zach Braff made a TV. It's it's, it's huge. So, um, you know, I was I was excited to to be able to kind of uh, talk to one of the the brains behind go. it. All right. Well, uh, moving the show along, uh, it is time for slices. All right. Hey. Ha- so, have you guys seen? These have been going viral lately, and uh, these videos of local police departments doing, like, lip-sync music videos. They're everywhere. They're happening across the country. I have very strong feelings about them, but have you guys encountered these in your Facebook feeds? I I only encountered our local police force here in Orlando doing the In My Feelings Challenge. You saw them? You real life encountered it? Well, I mean, on online. Oh, okay, 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 okay. So, so that that's that's similar, but so they my feelings challenge for people who don't know is like for the Drake song plays, and you're supposed to get out of a moving car and dance and then jump back in the movie car, which is way cooler than doing a lip sync music video. For like sure. jumping out of a moving car and dancing is awesome. I think that's undisputed. I mean, youth groups have been doing that forever. Didn't y'all do a Chinese fire drill when you were in youth group in the 15 passenger van? This is not a that, new that's thing. No this longer, is it's no longer politically correct. There was there was no Drake involved in the Chinese fire drill. That's true. And, 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 and my child, when and, I was a kid. And again, that's politically incorrect now. Yeah, it wasn't. Yeah, that was at a stoplight or something. Annie, have you seen these lip sync police videos oh, that I are happening? Them. Yes, Jesse, of course. You, you know love me, them? Of course. Yeah, I Tyler, Tyler, what are your feelings about these police lip sync videos? I. <laughs> We don't need to get into that. I feel like, you know. <laughs> well, my local station did one. They did like a Bruno's Mars song. And that one like went uh, like nationally viral. Like, uh, you know. And so these, these things are happening where basically one police department will challenge another one to do a music video where all the officers are like lip syncing a pop song. I mean, it's good nature. It's fun. Here's my issue with them in general. It's like I have nothing against lip sync music videos, but there's like. Like the one, one of the ones I saw, it like had a note that said this was recorded over our lunch break. There's like a hundred officers involved with choreographed <laughs> dancing. If there's like one, there's like a Stanley Kubrick tracking shot that lasts half the video. Okay, like there's no way that's one take. And th- th- you, you had to hire some sort of choreographer. Listen, don't tell me that was recorded over your lunch break. That's patronizing. No, I know my tax yeah. dollars. Paid for your music video, okay? Right. That that's what I that's my issue with these, okay? Is that I'm not asking. <laughs> You're my, very flustered about this. You're very in in, in passion. I am. Yeah, I, you really f- have feelings about this. I am. I appreciate <laughs> what they do. Preserve law and order. To serve and protect. What part of serve and protect involves making a Bruno Mars video? Okay, like. <laughs> Again, again, maybe I'm just a curmudgeon about it. Maybe it's just the, the, you know, a libertarian check on the boundaries of, you know, how they're appropriating my, my tax dollars. But, but, uh, uh, one has been particularly, um, controversial. Um, this one comes out of, uh, of a police department in Texas. It's a small town. Um, and they did a lip sync video. And I will say this. I'm opposed to this video for a lot of reasons. Mainly, it's so corny and the production value is terrible. <laughs> That's uh, what you hate did, about it. 
Yeah, that's what I hate about. It. So most of these, like you sent it, you sent it to me, Jesse. You you like you targeted me. You scammed me <laughs> with this video on I our did. workplace. Speaking of using work time, this was not over a lunch break. You sent this to me in our inter office. And I said, watch this immediately. You'll love it. <laughs> so this police department is doing the lip sync music video uh, to the to the song "God's Not Dead." Like the new, I think <gasps> Daniel Basher, our good buddy, wrote it. But yeah. it's the Newsboys version of "God's Not Dead." Now, the the great thing about these other ones is like there's a sense of self awareness and irony. Like they're doing corny dance moves and stuff. This throughout, okay, they're lip syncing the song at numerous times. These police officers are like raising their hands in fake worship. Okay, like they're lip syncing the song. They also like it zooms in on a sticker on the police car. It says, "In God We Trust." Um, a, a sign on like an old church building that they're singing in from that Yikes. says, "For God's Glory." So they made this "God's Not Dead" right. music video. There's a couple wrinkles to this story, for sure, for <laughs> sure. Second of all, of course, our good friends at Pure Flix thought this was awesome. You know, Pure Flix is uh, the studio behind the "God's Not Dead" trilogy, which gets his name, which gets its name from this song, and the song is prominently featured in the first film. The first film this is, is like, like a Russian nesting doll. Situation. <laughs> There's a lot going a lot. on. Here. So, yeah, like this- the first "God's Not Dead" film, like. Like, it's only like 45 minutes long and to fill the last 15 minutes to make sure it's over an hour to be feature length they go to a newsboys concert where they play this song like three times God's Not Dead and the main characters dance and, and cheer for victory over <laughs> Professor Kevin Sorbel wait, uh, so, wait you've seen it you watched it that was what I was just thinking too Cameron We'll talk about this another time. We've riffed on this many times on the relevant webs on relevant website. We, we 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 the year this came out because I I can't remember time. Spoiler alert! But I think Kevin Sorbo's character dies at the end of the he movie. Does. He, he he does perish, but not before he accepts Jesus. Of course, a deathbed confession like, of, the atheist, of the atheist professor. And we suggested for we did a, we did a listicle <laughs> what to go to your harvest party as, and it was atheist zombie Kevin Sorbo was, oh was, was our top choice. Right right That's behind funny. right behind the. Rock monsters from the Noah movie. It was rock. And I actually remember. I remember very clearly. Jesse's caption for it was, "In, in life, he molded young minds. In death, he will eat them." Oh my god! <laughs> Some fine work. Some fine, I'm, glad, I'm glad it stuck with you for all these years. Right? It was like three years ago. I remember it. It was perfect. You're. <laughs> So anyway, Pureflix, where were we? Where were we? They are good friends. Uh, They were so excited about this that literally like the small town in Texas only has like 100 people. It's Crandall is the police department. They were so excited this that they gave all the members of the town, the citizenry of Crandall, free Pureflix subscriptions so that they can go watch God's Not Dead because they're they're so excited about this police lip sync video. It's a good time by had by all, except for oh, the Freedom From Religion Foundation, which has demanded <laughs> oh, that the Crandall Police Department take the video down. I'm going to read a little bit from their statement. They said that the Supreme Court has long held that the establishment clause mandates government neutrality between religion uh, and religion and between religion and non-religion. They say that the Crandall Police Department's video conveys a message to the non-Christians that they are not, quote, favored members of the community. Uh, here's where um, they get to the uh, the real burn. They say the police department belongs to, quote, we the people, not the department's temporary occupants, in this case, who are all Christians and took part of this God's Not Dead video. So uh, uh, the, the newspaper, the Christian Post, or the online news outlet, the Christian Post, reached out to yeah. the police chief and 
in this town to said, what is his response to this complaint? His response, I think you could call it dismissive, was a smiley face emoticon. That's it. Of course. He was like, we're going to bait those secularists. They're going to come after us and they can't do nothing. But leave it, leave it, okay. The cultural Marxists, can't, they have no sway. But leave it to Christian culture warriors to ruin something like police department lip sync videos. Like, this isn't a religious issue. Like, it doesn't have to be. But they made one overtly religious, presumably with money paid for by the taxpayers of Crandall, Texas, to, to overtly uh, promote their religion it's so much so that a Christian a, a Christian uh, company is coming in and giving the citizenry free Christian products it does it's seem bizarre. like a violation of the establishment clause my thing isn't so much the constitutionality with it it is just so corny it is yeah. so like the video is just really cheeseball my, my hot take coming out of it here with if, if it comes down to pure flicks versus the freedom from religion foundation this is this is alien versus predator man whoever, win, whoever wins we win like, last like, man standing freedom from religion kind of jerk oh, atheist sometimes kind i'll be honest i i, I they got a yeah. point i'm not arguing with the point there's some kind they're kind of jerks about stuff you have them against against pure flicks last man standing they win they get texas i think if we're lucky they take each other out and we're everybody's happier for it like we I, I always feel so conflicted when I hear this because like, you're right. They're kind of jerk atheists, whatever, but they kind of have a point. You know, it's like, I mean, if it, as Christians, I mean, these guys as individuals yeah, right. were yeah. clearly Christians. So as individuals doing that, great. Sharing your faith, do whatever you want to do. But as public government officials, if they yeah. were residents in that town and the police force happened to be Muslim or Jewish and they did something reflecting their religion as police officers, they would feel they wouldn't be okay with that. And so it's like, you know, I kind of feel like the Bible talks pretty clearly about um, doing unto others as you'd have them do unto you and, and loving others uh, first. And I don't know that it's a good witness. You know what I mean? It's just like, and and the smiley face emoticon would suggest to me that they're not grappling with the nuances of that at all. Like there's a way to respond to what, the to what this group is saying to these concerns and say we hear you we're aware of this yeah. this is just a video man this is just a lip sync video and, and i think well you the other thing too what's the case. intention right who whose is the person that's like right. man i walked away from the faith because i was really hurt by the church right. and and now i have a real right. issue believing in god but you know what right. i saw this i saw the crandall police department <laughs> yeah. lip sync god's not dead and it undid all of that hurt and yeah. i'm coming back to god thankfully i saw it, it doesn't serve any I mean, purpose right like no one's seen that and deciding I'm going to commit my life to Jesus Christ because of that music. I mean, video. but don't yeah. you feel, I mean, this may be too, too deep of a rabbit hole for us to go down, but I no feel that way about a deep. lot there of things. There is no rabbit hole that, Chris, too deep, Annie. There is sorry. no rabbit hole too deep for us to go down. Okay. Okay. Yeah. If holes are real things, where's Eddie when we need him? Yeah, I just wonder if we, uh, when you're saying all that, Jesse, I just think how many things do we do in a one, uh, I am with you. No one is watching that video and returning to their faith. So full stop. Part two, I, I think that's true about a lot of things we do, but there has to be a cumulative, there's a cumulative thing that happens in people's hearts when they experience God over and over that puts together all sorts of little things and God uses them. I have to believe that's true because Christians do so much stupid stuff that, that God's got to use it somehow. Right. Am I off on this? Y'all can tell me I'm off on this. No, I mean, but I think some stuff is just, I mean, I don't know if every little thing, you know, I don't know if faith is the accumulation of a tiny 
uh, of like a bunch of microscopic uh, cultural interactions. I think faith a lot of times can be a road to Damascus type. Of yeah. Thing. Yeah. But there are times when it's the it's it's the eight little conversations that you have. Or that video sparks something in a conversation that sparks something in a person. Again, hear me clearly. That video is exactly what you said it is. But it just also, I also can't live in a world where we can't hope that that kind of stuff does something to show people who God really is. So stepping back from it, you know, somebody who's not a believer comes across an expression of somebody uh, giving to a neighbor selflessly to show Christ's love in a tangible way. And then they see these people who are so passionate and proud of their faith that they want to sing this silly song online. And then they, you know, come across another, and it's like, you know, marketing 101 says you have to do marketing and a marketing impression seven times before anybody even notices it, right? They have to come across it seven times before they even realize they've seen it. You know, so you're right. Like these little things add up and maybe the impression is like, I want to believe in something so much that I would do something like that. That's Mm -hmm. not, I'm not disputing that God can use anything. I think the issue is in uniform, officially representing the government of that town saying this is our religion. I mean, that's actually then where it gets shady. I can hear that. I can hear that. Yeah, because at what point do what 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 point do those little interactions actually hurt the cause of yeah. leading to something? If they're like, well, they're just antagonizing yeah. atheists here. You know what I mean? Like they're dismissing legitimate legal concerns. The atheists are jerks, but those Christians are jerks too. I don't want to be part of either one of those. Yeah. You know, like yeah. that that would be the. the I hear risk. you. Yeah, especially when and I think there is a a real issue here that for so many people, uh, uh the the law enforcement represents still something that has caused a lot of harm to to different communities and uh and that's not to say that all cops are part of that or all cops are to blame for that or or that all cops are bad but there is sort of a confusing if we're going to talk about the message of branding there is a confusing message there and i think it would do a lot more good for the cause of christ for police officers who are christians to uh to to seek real justice to apologize for some of the things that have happened among the police community and to show a real dedication to systemic justice in their communities than a music yeah. video or a, or a song like this. All right, what do you have, Tyler? Okay, well, this is we're going we're going international. We're going over to the island nation of Japan uh, to a little city in Japan called Iga. Um, Iga is facing a uh, Japan is actually I don't know if you guys are aware of this. Japan is having sort of a, a boom economic season right now. The um, unemployment is extremely low, just over two uh, percent in Japan. Crime is really low. Things are going pretty well in Japan right now, oh, wow. but they are facing one very serious. They're fearing they're they're facing one very serious problem. Thanks to and, uh, I'm grateful to Business Insider for facing that, and, and we're going to dig into a little bit of how the city is addressing this issue. Um, the city of Iga <laughs> is about 280 miles from Tokyo. It's in a very rural. It's very small. It's in a rural town, but it is. Uh, the birthplace of, of, of the cultural birthplace of the ninja. And so they're the one that is right now sounding the alarm in Japan that there are not enough ninjas anymore. So this is like in the U.S. There's a crisis that there are not enough doctors coming into the pipeline and, and, and doctors are aging out. We're going to have a crisis of medical care that there's not, not going to be enough health care workers. Yeah. That'd be bad. I mean, that, that's saying, a problem. You're saying in, in Japan, they're sounding the alarm. There's a crisis. Yeah. Not enough ninjas. Let's let's get into it a little bit. I, okay, hold on. Can I ask a question real quick, Tyler? I want you to get into it. But I saw this headline going around. 
the salary of a ninja. Yeah, it was it was very respectable. It's on my bullet point. I'm mad that, I, I, that this article okay. didn't pass in front of my eyes already. I want to know what y'all are doing on the internet that's making me not see a lack of ninja <laughs> news piece. Oh, I Google, I've got a Google alert for ninjas. Okay. I'm very I'm very dialed in to the nin- to ninja cultural happenings. Annie, there's a thing called the black web. They've found actually a thing called the maroon web, and you just don't right, want to I'm know out. about it. Yeah. I, I'm deep in the ninja dark web. It is. It's a it's a weird place. So, so uh, and and this is a uh, and this is a direct quote. Um, Iga is according to uh, it's according to the, this is according to the Planet Money co-host who they just did an episode on this facing a shortage of two key things: stuff to sell and people to buy stuff because there's just not a lot of people there anymore. So they're trying to fix this by really leaning into their cultural heritage as the birthplace of the ninja. Um, and they're doing this both a through tourism, which makes sense, but also by trying to recruit more ninjas to the cause. Um, uh, they say that they hold a ninja festival in late April, uh, that lasts through the beginning of May. (laughs) During this period, visitors and also local people come. Everybody will be dressed like ninjas at these festivals and they walk around and enjoy themselves. But the mayor says that he feels like that's just not enough. And they need to get down to the real problem, which is that they don't have any more. They don't have enough actual ninjas anymore how much if okay so if you move to iga japan and you apply you go to ninja school ninja school and you get your degree you get your degree in ninja a little bit of a ninja school (laughs) what can you expect to make as a professional ninja all right so this is a cord according to sugako nagagawa (gasps) who is the curator of of the local ninja museum well done Um, and he says a, a few things that are worth noting First of all, ninja is not an inheritable class. I don't know if you're aware of it. You don't just get to be born a ninja. Without severe training, he says nobody could become a ninja, which is why they have silently disappeared in history. Side note, ninjas silently disappear. Right, it's their right. thing. That's not, that's not weird. It's like a given about that's ninjas. what they want you to think. I thought a curator of a ninja museum would know that, but... But we're getting a word source. But the job has a lot to offer. First of all, the pay is quite competitive. Today, ninjas can earn anything. Direct quote. Between twenty three thousand to eighty five thousand dollars, which is a really solid salary, he says. And in fact, he says, and this is a real quote, it's a lot more than real ninjas used to earn in medieval Japan. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no kidding, so, guy. So ninjas. Nin, the value is increasing. We're actually getting like ninjas are being paid now better. Just a sign of are how Japan is like doing economically right now. Pay, paid oh. by oh. whom? The government hires now ninjas? that is a little <laughs> bit muddy. I think that's because area. ninjas, they, they, they can't leave a clear paper trail when you're a ninja. If where the money comes from, <laughs> you're better off not knowing. It's pillaging. It's What'd pure pillaging. So the the re- salary range is just how good of a ninja are you? How much how much money right, can you right. sneakily and take? And I would imagine your targets ninjas are obviously assassins. So the higher the contract that you get, the more you're able to, oh, to make out with. Yeah, you did take out somebody like me. That's a twenty three thousand dollar job. That's not that hard. I I hate to say it. I am trying to up my pay. I, a for little some bit, reason, but. I've learned about this in my life. I don't know why I am a target for ninja stars. I've been hit with random ninja stars at random times. So yeah, I'm a target. Low low ball, easy to hit. Because you're so tall. Do ninjas still use the blow darts? I think anybody who has access to a blow <laughs> dart should there? be using it. So I think ninjas should still be using it, right? And that's what I, I thought. That is a question that I feel like is important. Is it doesn't get into what it costs to become a ninja because you make eighty five thousand yeah. dollars, but there's a lot of equipment involved beyond just the the black outfit. There's a lot of weaponry. I assume the training isn't free. That's an assumption, though. To be fair. <laughs> 
I'm just the whole the whole ninja economy. I'm trying to figure out who's funding the schools, who's paying the salaries. Like, it's, well, that's an easy one. If you need a ninja, you pay them. It's a it's privatized. Private surely. security. So this is like a under the radar thing, like kind of like when you hire a hitman, or are you saying this is like private security? Like for a celebrity needing a bodyguard. Let me ask you this. If you were like, you know, Taylor Swift, okay, and you need bodyguards, would you want to hire some hunk in a black (laughs) T-shirt and jeans? Or would you like to walk down the street peacefully, quietly by yourself, knowing that ninjas are lurking in the shadows, prepared to defend you? A thousand percent, I want a ninja. As far as you can tell, you don't have a bodyguard. So you lure in the stalkers. They think like, oh, easy get. Bodyguard must be a t- All of a taking sudden, a rest day, take a little bathroom break. Then <laughs> boom, ninja star, back of the skull. You're down. You're getting, and all of a sudden, Mr. Uh, Creepball Stalker's getting choked with a nunchuck. Thanks, ninja. Yeah. <laughs> and based on the samurai movies I've seen, they come out, they've got the ninja sword in hands. Boom, it goes right through that. First, it doesn't look like anything happened. Like they totally missed them. And then their body slowly slides in half. That's the ninja. <laughs> It's weird because they actually look at you while they're sliding. Well played, Ninja. That's the last word they said. They're like, what? What happened to me? Boom. Dead. I thought we had a real strict don't talk about chopping people in half. Hey, hey Tyler. Tyler I'm a, that was a really good slice. Yeah! Oh. <laughs> All right. What do you have, Amy? Thank you, Cameron. Thank you. Um, so my best friends in Nashville just put in one of those nest cams where they have, you know, it, where it, when you someone steps on your front porch or by your front door it shows you who they are did you do that at your house cameron are you putting that at your new house yeah i have a couple Mm -hmm. okay so i um i do not at my house but my friends have it and it's been really funny because when i will get to the door you know i always like give them a warning on text now but this woman the other day her name is Mackenzie bullens she's from uh kansas so if she listens let us know how this turned out Mackenzie. she got an alert that someone was on her front porch and so she opened or she turns it on like she's at work she gets the alert that someone's on her front porch and she looks and it is a snake that is on the doorbell and so the video is of the snake looking straight into the camera and he just keeps squirming around the doorbell and so it just keeps going off on her watch like the alerts don't stop because he keeps showing up and it is which is so Terrifying. And so finally she posted the video. She took a screenshot of the video and posted it on her Facebook and asked one of her neighbors to go over. She was like, can anybody go over and take care of this snake that is on my video camera? Cause it's keep setting off the alarm. And someone did one of her neighbors went and took care of it. But I think that is terrifying. Yeah. Well, you have, see, I feel like if I, if I had like a nest doorbell, the, the, cause these are basically cameras that shoot outside your house. I would either yes. become obsessed with it all the time <laughs> and start like putting really expensive looking packages on the door to bait criminals in, you know, and, and do a little vigilante or justice. Snakes. Yeah, or or make it a big cool uh, snake trap. Either one of those. Yeah. No, but but I, I, that's why I wouldn't have one because I would always be tempted to do that to catch the 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 the, the neighborhood riffraff. Cameron, you have you have a nest, right? And you have one in your backyard too, right? I have a few of them. Yeah, I have one inside the living room, front door, and then back patio. Do you oh, get- inside the living room? So you can always watch what's happening in your shooter. living room? Uh-huh. Yeah, you can put Why? as many as you want. Anything. Well, I mean, security reasons. Like, if I'm not there, it'll tell me you'd see somebody. Oh, you know? okay. And I don't have a security system. I just have, I just have the you cameras. You have the three cameras. And so is it but the same I- as my friends that it alerts you as soon as someone's standing on the porch? 
Yeah, you can. So it can get to know faces. So like if it's like, you know, people who have been there or friends or people who are supposed to be there, you can just say like approve the person and then it won't alert you anymore. Oh. But, uh, but the other day I, uh, I was on a trip. I was out of town and uh, Cohen uh, was at the house and uh, went in the living room and it alerted me that there was somebody in the living room and I, and I, and I, and I watched and I was in Montana actually. <laughs> and uh, you can turn on the That's mic. Hilarious. And I'd oh, never yeah, done this before. And so I was like, what are you doing? <laughs> and you should have seen him freeze <laughs> like it was really funny yeah. and then we just talked for a while and I was like hey, I'll just call it's you a thousand <laughs> little, it's a thousand little interactions I invite atheists over and I, I get on the mic I'm like God's not dead he is surely alive <laughs> oh my who, who is that who is that who is that <laughs> you know the Lord? other Cameron has a lot of security measures in his house a lot, I, we talked about this in the past but uh, you know his yeah. new house has a study with a large fireplace and like whiskey decanters and things and he has a lot of very uh, cool old paintings but if you look real closely the eye holes are poked out and often Cameron will just stand there <laughs> while guests are in it's lots of it's, it's, yeah it's a uh, uh, you know the perfect way to, no, to surveil your home. This was actually going viral when she was posting. She was posting this online saying, someone go to my house and take care of a snake. And people were watching like the snake camp, essentially. <laughs> That's fun. Okay. Anywhere you go in this town, uh, outside, inside, up and down the d- downtown streets by the honky tonks, people were talking about the snake. Well, the here's the thing. When you see the video, <laughs> it's literally the snake is like looking into the doorbell and like moving yes. away. And like, I'm not a snake here. And then it looks back and it's like, <laughs> this is everyone's nightmare. Like I'm going to the door and there's a large, and you, here's the thing. Your depth perception is totally off. That could be a 12 foot boa or it could be a six inch guard snake. You don't know. All he knows is he's taunting you. He's sending a message. <laughs> yes. He knows there's a camera there and he's just going to go off camera and slowly slide on to Take a nice little look, <laughs> letting you know he's there. A snake. It's so creepy. I mean, the video is so terrifying. Living in yeah. Florida, snakes are as common as weeds. So I don't, I don't, you know, I don't know. Like, I, the, but do the snakes ring your doorbell? No, they do no, not. No, but the you other day had I had an alert that your I, there was activity in my backyard and I looked at the little video and then the animal had fallen off of my roof and then I saw the animal fall down and then scamper away <laughs> off into the woods. I don't know. So... Do you have it on your watch too, Cameron? Does it tell you on your watch like this girl from Kansas? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, and you can actually see the video on your watch or does that just tell you to open your phone? Well, it's a screenshot. So it'll screenshot the video onto your watch right. and then you go onto your phone to watch the live video. And you can like scroll that back and see. get it. Yeah, it's actually pretty neat. I mean, you know. Security. You know, I don't. I don't have all that technology, but I did hire a ninja. Um, I'm paying eighty four thousand dollars, and he just hangs out all day. So far, he hasn't. I'm not. You know, to be honest, I don't even know if he ever showed up for work the first day, and I shouldn't know either. He should be in the shadows. If I don't see him, that means he's doing his job, and I'm just going to assume I'm not getting ripped off. All I know is That's I'm, right. I'm sending a large amount of cash to uh, an address, and. I'm assuming I'm getting ninja services. The best part is you never have to know. I'm assuming burglars attempt to breach my home nightly and the ninja's just taking them out and I sleep well because of that. So thank you, ninja. I'm assuming you're not stealing my money. So All right, that'll it's do an it investment. For- it's an investment. My homeowner's insurance is going way down knowing there's a ninja on patrol. So uh in real talk, it's a serious liability. They they don't they don't want you having a ninja at your house. But Nonetheless, I'm sleeping well at night. <laughs> All right, that'll do it for Slices. Stay tuned. Up next, Eric Minnell joins us.
you could interview God. Why do I deserve your special attention? Don't you? What would you ask? So what do I tell the people who say you don't exist? Tell them the world they see is just that. And sometimes that's just the way it looks. Starring Academy Award nominee David Strutheran and Brenton Thwaites. We try to be good people, try to please you, and we need some answers. And where did you go? Do you have any idea how that feels? An interview with God. Don't miss this exclusive event in cinemas nationwide for three nights only. August 20th, 21st, and 22nd. For tickets and more information, visit fathomevents.com. You're listening to LNC. The song is Swift Taylor. See what they did there? Not Taylor Swift. <laughs> At the beginning of the podcast, you heard St. Lucia with Walking Away. Well, on this season of the hit podcast Startup, host Eric Minnell investigates the world of church planning and shows the challenges, tensions, and opportunities facing young pastors and how entrepreneurs of all kinds can learn from them. Especially like where to put the flag in the yard by the by the road. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and remember, remember, it's remember, it's you leave out the U and the R, so it's you are right. You're missing, <laughs> and, and how many cups to have for the coffee bar in the lobby? Oh man, church planning yeah. jokes keep them coming. A lot of people, you know, I can't tell you how many revivals have been sparked by a witty church sign. And, I mean, and, how, and how many, and when you're down at the Kinko's, how many welcome home banners to get printed? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> welcome home banners. You need one by the front door. You need one by the road. There's a lot of ins and outs. How many roads go by you the church? You in the sanctuary on the left and the back so they can see it. Yeah. Uh, we recently spoke with Eric about the show, his own faith journey, and what surprised him most about documenting the founding of a new church. Here is Eric Minnell. Tell me a little bit, and you kind of you've referenced it before, and I know in a previous episode talked about your own faith. But tell me a little bit about kind of your personal context for the story. What, what's your faith and church background look like? Yeah, I uh, I grew up a Christian. I grew up uh, going to the a Lutheran church in uh, Florida, and uh, was you know like a pretty regular suburban church going kid for most of my life. Uh, did the summer camps, did vacation Bible school, all that stuff. Um, and, and kept going to church through, you know, young adulthood and into my twenties. Um, and, uh, even like during college, there was a semester where I lived in the basement of a church on campus, which was a, oh, wow. a kind of a, a cool experience. Yeah. I was, um, I was coming back from an internship and like, it's weird to find student housing in the middle of the year. Uh, but yeah. like, but the Lutheran church on campus had like, uh, an apartment below the church that was vacant. Um, so I wound up wound up living there for for a semester. Good vibes. Oh, very cool. Good vibes living under a church. I mean, I, I guess I, maybe some people would some people would find it very creepy, actually. But uh, yeah. but I thought it was good vibes. So. Yeah, and I'm sure you get like exposed to sort of like the inner workings after hours of what it takes to keep a church functioning. Yeah, yeah. I mean, totally. Even the like total. Even like part of like the really mundane stuff. Um, Part of having the reduced rent of living in a church also meant I did yard work. You know, like someone's got to do the yard work. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. When, when you you mentioned you guys at Startup were kind of circling the idea for a while, but what was your pitch of like, no, this could be a, a, a season of kind of showing what goes into church planting? What was that kind of pitch like? I, I mean, with any story on Startup, so much of it is about the people 
at the center of it. Um, like a, a story, it, it can like on the radio in particular. I think a story is only going to be as good as your characters. Um, and, and so, you know, it was a big process of like looking for people who could who could fulfill what are kind of the typical mandates of a startup story. You know, which is someone who has like a big desire, a big motivation to do something. They're trying it for the first time, and and there are obstacles to them achieving it. Right. I think that's sort of the uh, this the typical fare of a startup story. The church planting model kind of fits that that rubric nicely um, in, in that there are people who have a, a really big mission. Um, it's not necessarily profit-driven the way a typical startup story is, but it is driven by something big and, and you know, as many would view it, noble um, and wanting to hopefully do something uh, big and maybe even good in the world. And from there, it's just a series, it's just like a process of like finding an actual character or several characters who can kind of fulfill that mandate. How, how, how did you go about finding um, AJ? He, he seems like such a compelling figure, but he's also, he doesn't seem like the type that's out there looking for exposure. AJ, AJ was not looking for exposure. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> uh, uh, it, he was stumbling on AJ. It was, was a bit of a happy accident. So I, I called a lot of pastors. I, I, I called a lot of church planting networks and people who are sort of at the nexus of, of helping launch new churches and, and did interviews with, with, you know, dozens of pastors trying to find someone who felt like they were, they were at an interesting moment. Like they knew they needed to grow or they had like an interesting challenge approaching. They were just at an interesting moment in their development. I got connected to AJ through the Acts 29 network. I called Doug Logan, who, who is a, um, he is the head of diversity uh, at, at Acts 29, if I'm not mistaken. And he is leading this initiative called Church in Hard Places. The idea here in the U.S. and the idea is that they're trying to launch churches, to plant churches in places that the network and and many other networks haven't tried to plant churches before. Places like Camden, New Jersey, um, uh, Germantown, Philadelphia, uh, uh, Delaware. There's one in Wilmington, Delaware, uh, uh, parts of Baltimore. So so inner city churches, largely minority driven. Um, that seemed like a compelling story in and of itself. And then I, I talked to Doug and he hooked me up with a bunch of pastors who were, who were launching these kinds of churches. And ultimately, AJ was both like interested in the story and willing to talk with us. And he, he and Restoration Church, that's the church he leads in Philadelphia, are just like in an interesting moment in their development um, in terms of what they need and, and what they need to achieve in the next year. So all the pieces kind of just fell into place there. Mm. It's interesting. You were a guest on This American Life this past week and kind of leading into uh, the parts of the first episode of Startup to kind of introduce the audience. You and Ira Glass sort of discussed how similar it is planting a church to, you know, what a lot of like Silicon Valley startups will go through looking for investors and, you know, creating a business plan for people that haven't heard that real quick. What is, what are some ways that planning a church is similar to what a Silicon Valley startup uh, would go through? I mean, I think, uh, there are so many things <laughs> from the language of it to the process of it to the books they read um so for example there are there are big conferences that are part of like the silicon the silicon valley startup world where you go and you network and you try to learn and uh, all the, the whole process of of getting your company off the ground the same thing happens with church planting there are big church planting conferences with with sessions that are on visioning on fundraising on how to gather uh, your initial core group or your core 
support team that are going to help you launch the church, right? Those are all things that that happen in the startup world as well, in the in the venture funded world as well. Um, there's boot camps. There's uh, where, where people go for two weeks or even just a weekend, spend a couple hundred dollars, and and learn all the basic tools for getting your thing off the ground. One one pastor told me if you were to look at the bookshelf of an entrepreneur and the bookshelf of a church planter, they could be identical, right? They are all like like they 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 they're, they're reading like, they're reading Gary Vanderchuk, right? They're reading <laughs> Warren Buffett. <laughs> they're reading the Lean Startup. Um, I, I came across a blog post maybe a month ago from one of these church planting networks that that's five books for for church planters, and it's all like entrepreneurial startup books. I, yeah, so I, I, the process is so similar. You know, it's you you are trying to create something from nothing. You're it can be a very lonely process led by someone who has this big desire. Uh, and they're doing it with very little resources initially. They don't have a ton of help. They don't have a ton of money, um, but they have a thing they want to achieve. And in that way, it, the process becomes uh, remarkably parallel. The, throughout the the series, there's kind of uh, well, at least from from what I've heard, um, there's discussions about like the kingdom ROI and these different sort of like success metrics that are, you know, growth mm-hmm. and yeah. um, which it, it obviously is totally understandable when you're trying to yeah. create sort of a new institution. But I guess, did you, what, did you ever at any point kind of have any, any kind of, I guess like reservations about seeing churches cast in kind of such, for lack of a better term, sort of consumeristic terms, or is that just something like, well, look, you got to measure something, you know? When I first started the series, like a thing I was very conscious of was there were going to be people who would hear the very premise of this story and not be interested. Um, Because I think a lot of coverage of American religion that that kind of breaks through to people is about churches that... um, are that have some like questionable financial dealings or uh, do things that that I think people find a little sketchy. Um, and I know that doing a church business story was going to push those buttons a little bit for people. When I thought about church planting though specifically and 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 these smaller churches that are planting, I don't think I had any reservation in, in talking about how much it is like a small business or starting a business because uh, and I think a lot of pastors would say this as well. Um, like in order to do the ministry work that I think a church is trying to do in order to do the community work, there are very realistic things that need to happen, right? Like you need to keep the lights on, right? You need to pay your staff. You need to, um, find a way to get health insurance for the people at the church. And and you need to have money available to help members of your church community in order to do that stuff. Like you have to have people coming to the church in order to get people to come to the church. You have to market, you have to, (laughs) you know, you have to create like cool logos and find a way to get people to come. Um, the question that like we're sort of dealing with in the series is like about that tension. Like at what point, is like the process of growing a church like a startup in conflict with some of the other parts of Christianity and faith and 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 what church is supposed to do. Uh, I, they, they work in concert with each other, I think. And that's, that's part of why I was interested in the story. From your experience with doing this story and following AJ and, uh, and this particular church, 
Are you relatively convinced that this is an effective way to impact a community and do ministry in a way that is really reaching people in a way that's positive? I think it depends on the community, and I think it depends on your like definition of the word positive. Mm. There's like studies that show that uh, when more people are going to church, the people people who go to church give more money to charity, for example, right? So even mm. if you don't view uh, evangelicalism and the bringing of people to the Christian faith as an inherently positive thing, like most people would say, like giving mon- money to charity is can be like a very good thing, right? So like yeah. there's ways in which you can say more people going to church can lead to more good in society. Um, uh, but there are other there, there's other thing, people who would like disagree with with that entirely. So I don't I don't want to say like I don't want to get too bogged down in what is like positive uh, yeah. about it. But in terms of like its effectiveness as a model for growing the church, uh, I think it does very much depend on the community. Like church planting has been very effective in certain types of neighborhoods in the suburbs and more affluent neighborhoods. Um, it's it's showing to be more difficult in inner city neighborhoods and in places that. Um, don't have like a readily available income base, you know, where people can't donate as much money. And so in terms of like growing the church, I think it's harder in some communities than it is in others. And, and, but also there are people who would argue that those communities and where it is hard to grow, those are the places where the church might be most needed uh, from their perspective. And so it's like complicated in terms of like what's good and what's effective. I mean, it's, in terms of just like church attendance, I think that's how a lot of that's how this movement started in a lot of ways was trying just to stop people from leaving the church. Yeah, uh, there is, I think, some evidence to show that church planting has stopped the like drop in attendance among evangelical churches. Uh, it's not growing attendance in the evangelical churches and growing, but it's not shrinking at the rate that most other churches are. Yeah. So that's something in terms of to that there's at least like maybe a correlation there. Yeah. And, and I, I mean, early on in this, I, it might be, I think it's just in that, that first episode where, you know, AJ and I forgot the, the, the original pastor that he was planting Watson. the church with. Watson. Watson. Yeah. You, you know, they, they kind of, it was interesting because they sort of came in with like this idealistic in a, in a positive way, but like, maybe we can do it differently. Maybe we won't have a building or, mm-hmm. you know, ours will all will be all about sort of community outreach in, in positive ways. But it was interesting that they saw it, it didn't really it didn't really work for them, that these models that have been created are created for a reason in a way that it was they, they had tried something different, but it seemed to almost fail out of the gate. Yeah, I mean, what they were ultimately doing was was trying to disrupt a model of disruption <laughs> right they're sort of yeah, like yeah. second tier church planting like church planting came in to disrupt the way church was done and it's become its own sort of institution in a way like it's been around for 20 or 30 years um and it's developed its own practices its own baggage in some ways in your from from doing this story what do you think sets apart church plants that end up being successful and grow and ones that end up fizzling out it's, you know, I think there's like a number of factors. I think place is one of them and where you're located. I think the leadership is part of it. Uh, there are, I mean, the people who study this stuff say that they're like, is there like, like, there's a certain kind of personality that tends to attract more people early on 
And I think with a church plant, a lot like a startup, you want to like grow fast early um, and stabilize pretty quickly. And I think there's like certain personality types that have proven pretty effective at growing quicker earlier. Um, those personality types don't always create the most stable churches in the long run necessarily. Um, but the church planting model, the funding for it is such that for the, you are basically, you're able to get outside funding for your church for three to four years. Typically that's, that's about the amount of time people are willing to help give you money to, to keep your church going before you need to be self-sustainable. So growing early and growing fast is, is incentivized in that way. What ended up surprising you most while you were doing this story? One of the reasons I came to this story initially was because there is a lot of talk about evangelical America uh, in the news right now. And there's a pretty big discussion about the role of evangelical Christians in politics and in society. And uh, I was pretty interested, like having grown up in the church, like I had, a, like I, I knew this and I think a lot of people who who, who grew up in the in, in the Christian church know that it's like a very nuanced diverse place yeah and that um and that it's like a lot more complicated than than a lot of the polls might suggest and i i was pretty interested in trying to find like a way to look at that a little more and just like to meet people like different people who identify as evangelicals but maybe don't quite fit the typical mold um of what most people think of as an evangelical and so I think the thing I've been most surprised about in doing this story on, on Restoration Church, this church in Philadelphia, is just like the, how, how, there's just like the people I've met have been, I mean, like, I'm not like surprised by how nice they are, but just like they, the church can be a very like guarded place in terms of letting the media in and letting people like hang out and record their conversations and like yeah. ask them very probing questions. And they've been so open to me being there. Like they were very welcoming in a way that, um, was very like uh, good as a reporter, but also just as like a human, it was just like um, really interesting to be in a church experience where people didn't seem on guard or worried about what they believe or how they were going to be portrayed. Um, that was that was like a really interesting experience. The people meeting the people and spending the time I've gotten to them has been sort of the the thing I've been most excited about. That was Eric Minnell. Make sure to check out the new season of Startup. It's out now. Up next, stay tuned. It's our listener of the week. You're listening to The Sound featuring Canon, Angie Rose, and Vertical Worship. The song is Spirit of the Living God. Okay, it is time for our listener of the week. Annie's highlight of every episode is our for listener. For real? Oh, is it? <laughs> our listener of the week. 
Oh, she hates I all the parts it. where you talk, Tyler. She's just like biding her time. <laughs> the low light is when you're here, Huckabee. The highlight is whoever the listener of the week is. Well, that's right. I'm a great yeah, addition. Tyler, you know I made a joke true. on Wednesday that she got visibly uncomfortable for. She does not like either of us speaking. You know, I think, <laughs> I think it's... People like, people like our friend Cody that's on the line. Well, our listener of the week this week is Cody Jensen. Uh, Jesse, you want to read the three facts that caught your eyes about Cody, and then we'll uh, introduce him on the show. Did, did I ever? And let th- let this be a lesson to people writing in. These are the kind of facts I'm looking for, okay? <laughs> All three of these are fantastic. <laughs> the story's better be great, Cody. You set the bar extremely high. One, fact one, and we'll get, I'll read them first, Cody, then we'll get into them. One, Cody is a retired ventriloquist. He also won first place in puppetry at the fine arts. I can't wait. They, that's the Assemblies of God thing we were, we were joking about the other day. Cody, so so you have you have a little bit of intrigue here. You also have a thrilling one. This is thrilling. He once fell off a thirty foot water slide tower at a water park and survived. Wow! Wow! Uh, wow. Cody, I'm assuming you're a survivor. That, and I, I'm assuming that led to the end of his ventriloquist career. I can't yeah. imagine wow. he didn't land. Hands <laughs> to be first. determined. And finally, this is the one. This I, I'm curious about all of these. Yeah. He once, for some reason, hung out with Dennis Rodman for twelve hours and. <gasps> Once again, he survived that as well as the water slide. So, Cody, <laughs> welcome, to the show. welcome to the show. Cody Jensen. Hello, shalom. Shalom. Wow. Shalom. shalom. Good intro, Cody. C- Cody, where, where are you calling us from, man? Uh, in New York City. New York City. What do you do there in New York hmm. City, Cody Jensen? I am a YouTuber and podcaster. Really? I was going to say, you're using, oh, cool. a, you're, you're using a good oh. mic, so. Yeah. A colleague. Yes, a colleague. That's exactly right. We have a colleague on the show. Or have you infiltrated your competitor right now? If so, brilliantly done, friend. <laughs> well done, Cody. Okay, I am fascinated that you make enough money YouTubing and podcasting to live in New York City. Talk, yeah. talk to us about the economics of your business model. Um, oh my gosh. I did really well when I lived in Oklahoma, and now I'm living off of savings. Oh. Attaboy. There you Doing go. what in Oklahoma? He's an oil your man. Your honesty is oil respectable. Man in Oklahoma. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, he used to go uh, by text. My wife and I, we are um, vloggers. So we just vlog in New York City. We have a podcast we do every week. Um, so that's kind of what we do. We moved here a year ago, but we lived in Oklahoma for our whole life. Before before, oh, before you so get cool. into your three interesting facts, what's your most watched YouTube video that you've produced right as of yeah, now? Yeah, what was it about? Uh, we have a 300 square foot apartment and we did a apartment tour of the space that we designed. And <laughs> so right now it has 1.4 million views. Nice. Okay. That's a lot of people you're letting see your house there, <laughs> yes, bud. There has been a, a lot more people online that have been in my house than in person. So <laughs> yes. Well, very you cool. You should probably keep it that way. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Well, that, that is very cool. It's almost as cool as the fact that you... So you, you mentioned you have all this savings from a previous job. And it says here, you're a retired ventriloquist. Tell me about that career and how lucrative it was. There's <laughs> <laughs> a lot of economic questions. Yeah. Right. Well, we yes. have the guy from Startup on the show. So you sure. know, we're thinking about yeah, the business of uh, right. ventures. Yeah. yeah. So whenever I was... I don't know why, but whenever I was a... Preteen, um, I got into puppetry and ventriloquism. I just like dove headfirst into it, and I bought like every single ventriloquist routine and book I could possibly find. And then for my birthday one year, my parents bought me a Howdy Doody ventriloquist doll. Um, oh. And uh, from that point, I made some business cards. I started distributing them to uh, every church I could possibly find. Ended up uh, getting hired for actual paid gigs to do ventriloquism. Um, wow. 
and I incorporated uh, Jesse. You appreciate this. Incorporated some close-up magic with that, and and you won't appreciate this one. It's also some clowning as well. With, so while you were doing ventriloquism, you were doing close-up magic. That's oh, awesome. the the dummy would go back into the box, you know, and it would scream, you know, don't don't put me in there, and then I'll get the magic tricks out. So. Oh, I love it. I love when the dummy screams. So do you almost away. have you almost have what we call in the business. Obviously, you know, this is no surprise to you. The trifecta: close-up magic, yes. ventriloquism, yeah. triple threat. That was the name of my business. The trifecta. <laughs> the triple, yeah, triple threat. Your triple threat yep. at that point. You know, if you say that in party. So, why did you walk away from ventriloquism? It sounded like you had a good gig going. We're not um, sure he totally yeah, walked it was, away. It was going really well. Um, but then I hit puberty and my voice changed a lot. And I was not able oh, to do no. the voices as well. And also, I get interested in a lot of other things other than talking to myself. So, are you, were you, you were totally self taught? You just did this in your bedroom after you got this Christmas present? Yep. Because yep, I got I a Charlie McCarthy doll one year, the ventriloquist doll, you know, uh, and, and, and I played, I, I, you I, I dabbled. Told us that. I was like eight. I dabbled. It didn't take. For you, it took. <laughs> oh, what I would yeah. pay. Do you still have, what's the proper nomenclature? It's not a dummy, right? What do you call, what's, what do you call, I like, think it the, is a dummy. Your, yeah, it's a ventriloquist dummy. Yeah. Okay. So do you still have any dummies that you still, that you I still ha- keep? I have all of them. My parents have them all in their attic. Everyone I had. Oh man! Well, I don't know why. I don't know why you're making videos about your apartment if you have a, a house full of dummies. <laughs> yeah. An attic full of dummies. That's exactly right. That should be the tagline of our show. Full of ventriloquist dummies. It could be the uh, key to my success. Yeah, you should do a tour of an attic full of dummies just staring at you. Like One the found footage genre is huge views. on YouTube. Yeah, Jesse. Ironically, every Wednesday and Friday, I'm. Surrounded by an attic full of dummies. Uh, well, uh, goodbye, goodbye everyone. No. <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, uh, Cody, you once fell off of a 30-foot water slide tower at a water park and survived. That is everyone who's ever been to a water park's nightmare. What, what happened there, man? Well, um, I'm burying the lead a bit on that one because my okay. parents actually own a water park. What? And so what? You have the coolest life you ever. You're a YouTuber. I, know, I, I grew up okay, at hold a on. water park. This didn't even crack and your top three dude, coolest dude, okay, facts. He has an attic full of dummies and his yeah. parents own you, a water let me, park. Let me, just, let me just pause this for a second. Yeah. Cody lives in New York City. Yeah. YouTube's professionally yeah. and podcast professionally. Right. His parents Slash are, are, through are savings water park barons. He, he used to be a professional vendor. <laughs> Ventriloquist and has an attic full of dummies somewhere. Continue. Your parents own the water park. What what happened? Did you perform at the water park ever? I mean, uh, that I sounds actually like a did. Yes. Place. Um, <laughs> of, course oh, of course he did. Well, I performed he did. at the water park, and then also Chandler, you appreciate oh, this. I had a happen. small uh, Pokemon card business where I would sell uh, oh my, my rare ones uh, <laughs> using my my parents' oh, platform. My I love it. Wow. Uh, How did we get this lucky? You this guys. Is How did we get this lucky? <laughs> so was did this accident happen at your parents' water park, or were you like? doing spy work at other water park. Oh, it happened at your parents. Yeah, they didn't own it before but, this accident. <laughs> but, like, I, your parents owning a water park and you're there all day, every day, every summer. Like, is it, yes. is it, is it like you've seen how the sausage is made and you're not enamored with it anymore? Or oh, is no. it just this as epic like, as we think? This is me and Jesse. We, this would be our dream. It is my dream. Jesse, you would love it. I, it was basically a, uh, land with no laws. And yes. it was just oh, me yes. out there, no supervision, <laughs> jumping off of everything I could possibly find into these pools, full access to the concession stand with whatever I wanted, fried wow. everything for free. Sometimes I would just drink Living the nacho the cheese just because I can. Why not? 
<laughs> living the dream. Oh, living the dream. Wow. And guess what? You're running beside the pool and no one's saying a word. You know, they that's say, right. what? No, that's, that's right. Cody. He gets to run. <laughs> so how did you how did you take like, this fall? They, hey, no running. It's like, do you know who my dad is? This is the prince of the oh, yeah. <laughs> so oh, I, yeah, I'm sure the lifeguards loved you, but how did you fall off this water slide? Okay, so I was a lifeguard myself at, well, at the, at the, minimum age I could possibly be put to work. My parents put me to work. And so I was made a lifeguard and I was, uh, 16, I believe. And I was at the top of the the tower, you know, telling the kids when they could go, uh, down the slide and I was bored. And so I started filling up water balloons and throwing them at my lifeguard friends that were down at the bottom. And (laughs) amazing. One of my friends, I was unable to uh, reach him. And then finally I saw that he was, uh, getting close to the tower. So I ran up to the edge and I threw the water balloon and my, as I threw it, it, my guess just my body weight threw me over the edge of the tower and I'm falling head first towards the ground. Your body weight being full of nacho cheese that you had just right exactly. <laughs> it, it is belly yeah. full of nacho cheese Man, propelled I me forward. Nacho yeah. cheese Based in a water on my park. eating habits at the time, and it is a wonder that I was not 300 pounds, but I, I stayed a healthy weight. Right. And I falling head first down towards the ground, and this is uh, gets. I mean, it just turns into a, a miracle story because. Uh, I basically black out. I just, and I open my eyes and I'm only halfway down the tower with my body wrapped around a a steel pole, like a sloth looking up into the sky. (laughs) And I look up and the the other life that was up there with me is like leaning over the edge, looking down. And I, I just see him and I just like look up and I'm like, help me. He can't, I'm like 15 feet down. And so I like sit there for a second, catch my breath. And then I climb down the railings down to the bottom and I head back up because I have so much adrenaline going. I like don't even not even processing what is happening. Uh, you went back up. Yeah, I I went down and I just ran back up the stairs like I'm gonna go back to work. And then the other lifeguard just looked at me like freaked out, and he was like, "Dude, you're like bleeding on your head." And I was like, <gasps> "Okay, I'll go like, you know, down." And uh, I went into the office, and then I like fully went into shock of just like of what had happened and uh, yeah, after for sure processing wow. and everything. But yeah, God totally. I mean, miraculous. God saved my life that day. Um, yeah. There's no like logical explanation. So of how you it basically happened. caught like Dwayne Johnson fall, jumping out of the skyscraper. Mm-hmm, you like mm-hmm. caught yourself. Wow. Right. Yeah. Somehow. And I have no memory of it. it. Like all I remember is looking towards the ground and, and it coming towards me. And then I open my eyes and I'm, I'm just like sloth wrapped around this pole. Wow. Oh my, oh gosh. my gosh. Wow. Well, uh, let's hope this one, the next one doesn't, it doesn't end dramatically, but that's, that was a miracle. <laughs> but how did you meet yeah. and hang out with Dennis Rodman? Well, also yeah. a miracle. I mean, clearly for so many hours. Yeah. Your parents own a water park. You were born yeah. into Is a it, miracle. Yeah. <laughs> you were born into <laughs> you a, a, living, miracle. You're a living miracle. <laughs> Cody. Yeah, I am. Uh, so this, this stems from my YouTube career. Uh, so the Dennis Rodman's social team saw my YouTube channel, contacted me and like, Hey, do you want to produce a blog for Dennis Rodman? Hold on. And, uh, hold on. Stop. Yeah. Go back. Hold on. Dennis Rodman (laughs) has a social team. (laughs) Again, with burying the lead here, Cody. Uh, they, it was a, uh, it was an interesting experience. They, they haven't really done much, uh, but they, <laughs> they do have a, a social team around him, his management team, uh, trying to, I don't know, I guess make him enough money to live or something, but they, uh, <laughs> contacted me, asked me to produce a vlog for him. So I did that. I showed up at this hotel. We hopped into an SUV and it's just me and him in the backseat and then his driver. And we we drive 
two hours away to his, this event that he's going to. And it's just, just me and Dennis Rodman shooting the breeze in the back seat. And what are you talking Dennis, about in the back uh, seat with North Korean diplomacy? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Can you put a year on this for us? Did you already say that? I didn't think I heard it. Yeah, that was this year, 2018. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Okay. Oh, wow. okay. <laughs> so you're wow, in the wow, back wow. of the SUV for a two-hour drive. If you say you're shooting the breeze, what are you possibly talking to Dennis Rodman about? Right. Um, very awkwardly trying to think of things to say to this mm-hmm. full-grown man who, uh, I mean, to put it, his, I would say his mind is around a 13-year-old, um, and he is asking me, He's basically he's asking for my help with his iPad that he's trying to watch old '80s concerts on, and asking me okay. to search for them because he's not for sure listen, what to search for a, to actually listen. watch these throwback concerts that he's wanting to see. I have so many theories um, on Dennis Rodman, and this is playing right great. into okay, them. Okay, well, tell, so, tell us one of those, Annie. I want to know one of your. Theories. I just think there's brain damage. I think there's brain damage. I can concur. We need to talk about. There's something going on that he makes decisions like this. Not riding in a car with you, That's Cody. A You're rational, a great guy. That <laughs> seems like a rational thing to do. Though it doesn't seem irrational to watch '80s concerts videos. I've YouTube. watched many '80s. Con- I attended some. No, 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 no. I'm talking about sitting in a car with a with another guy, another a YouTube professional, and he just said it was like a 12 year old's brain asking him to help with his iPad. I just think there's something we don't know. So, so let's say there's two hours of you working on the iPad. What mm-hmm. what else happens during the day? Uh, so we, we, we go to Atlantic City because he has an event to go to. They, he's basically been hired by the mayor of Atlantic City to come to an event and just be a face, you know, there for people to like take pictures with. And Dennis yeah. Rodman is hating every single moment of it. And he is not scared to tell you that he hates every single moment of this. <laughs> and I like he, he's he's doing it for money because he makes, you know, tens of thousands of dollars just to show up. Um but mm. he absolutely hates no. doing it. And Wait, I just like, he, does uh, he make tens yeah. of thousands to show up? Cause I've been to some of these things. I'm thinking they're getting a solid 500 bucks and just Rodney uh, needs No, he's got to make way more yeah, than that. Like, they, going going they, flew him, they flew him from California to come do this. And I don't remember the exact number, but it was tens of thousands that he was getting paid to do so it. So we're talking Corey Asbury money is what you're saying. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. yeah Chick-fil-A money. That's yeah. right. You know, that's right. Yeah. And so, so he's just hating life, but is he looking back at you? as like, Cody, help me out here, dog. You're, you know, what, what, what what's uh, your relationship no. with him during this period? Um, so a, a, uh, a story that goes along with this that Chandler, I'm sorry, you may have to edit this out, but, uh, <laughs> I, one of the other facts that I get from this is I never really played sports growing up. So I'm not really a sports guy. I never did the whole locker room thing in high school, yeah, all that of type of stuff. So one of the facts that I get in my life now is I've only in person seen three <laughs> my, my, my dad's, my, my own and Dennis Rodman's. <laughs> Oh my gosh. I don't care if this, this makes the show. I'm so glad I'm here for this. Go ahead. This, this, is, the, this is the best one. Oh my God. Oh my even, God. Uh, even if it gets edited out, I'm here for them. That's what matters. I feel like we're. I can't even. I can't. Yeah. I mean, we're in the, we're in the, deep, the, we're in the deep end of the pool right now. Cody, and I'm a very respectable woman, yeah. but you can just tell the story like you need to tell the story, okay? Give, give the details room to breathe. I really want to. Uh, I want to inhale this. No, I need you to stop with that. Tyler. Okay, Cody, go. 
I, so I'm just we're, we're sitting in the hotel room waiting for the uh, event to start oh, and I'm sitting on the on he has a suite so I'm sitting on the couch uh, just kind of watching TV and he's behind me and next to the bed and he I guess he's getting changed for the event itself and he asked me a question I turn my head around my shoulder and he is butt naked <laughs> oh my gosh Okay, so let's fast forward here. How did your day with Dennis Rodman? How did your day with Dennis Rodman come to a conclusion? Uh, we After this we had exposure. to hop back in the car at late at night um, and drove back. And Dennis Rodman did not speak a word the entire way. What? We get back to the hotel. He hops out and he says, uh, "See you later," and then goes in. And I've never seen him since. Oh my goodness. Oh. Oh Cody, I'll be honest. I don't know how much of that is going to make the final product, but <laughs> I, I think we can creatively. But I'm really glad we were here. The for audience it, yeah. that's supposed to hear it is going to hear it. Like guys, <laughs> yeah. our Lord's going to, our Lord's going to provide. Oh my goodness! Your parents own a water park. Oh. You were a ventriloquist. You're yep. YouTuber, and you hung out with twin Dennis Rodman for twelve years. Or 12 hours. 12 12 years, hours. Yeah. Yeah. It, it felt like. It felt like. Yeah. Well, it may have like, felt yeah. like that at one point or another. Yeah, Cody, you live an incredible enchanted life, my friend. Oh, Cody, I think I'd be remiss if I didn't say I, I Googled you while we were talking, and I'm familiar with your work because you also uh, are the man behind one of the great pastor flubs on YouTube of all time. Wow. That I should, I, I'm surprised. I for, totally uh, forgot to even put that as a fact. Uh, so that was is it true. Your pastor in Tulsa who uh, tried to say city. What happened? And it, and it okay, so walk came us uh, Oh, he, as a, he, as an he said it comment. SH. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, so I was the creative director at a church in Tulsa. Um, and uh, early in that church, uh, I the pastor said on stage, um, he was talking about the city of Corinth. And he said he was talking about it being a, a sinful city. And he said, um, you know, it's a city full. It's a full of sin. Um, and then he's like, a, 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 a city, a city uh, full of sin. And I happened to record it. I put it on YouTube and that has over like Gosh, half a million man. views as well. Oh, really? Cody, I've waited my whole life for this. Cody, Cody, this is going to play on the relevant life. podcast after dark. Yeah, say, are we going to have episode. like a, this American Life where there's an unbeeped version on yeah. the website? I do, for, 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 for listeners, I just want to let them know that this episode involves the existence of sex as well as Dennis Rodman's intimate parts. Here is Cody. Here's Cody Jensen. I was, I was rubbing up on you, man. You've got it. Yeah, I know. I know. Oh, Cody, I have a, a relevant podcast question. How long have you been listening? Um, I think my earliest memory would be like 2007, the uh, whale oh, shark wow. era. Oh, of yeah, the podcast. Yes. yes. Oh, wow. Here, OG. Yeah. Yeah. Right. The, the uh, golden awesome. era, which we're back to now that Eddie's off. So. Oh, no. <laughs> Sick burn. And with jokes, <laughs> that was, Cody. That was a good one. Yeah, we we coming, waited for you for hot. such a long time. Yeah. You've really um, eased some of hot. our pain of having Eddie not here today by just being so funny. Well, <laughs> oh, yeah, that was goodness. Great. Oh, wow. Lord. Gracious. I don't know how anybody's going to like well done, what, I, I, the audacity, the mindset. I don't know who is going to post their three facts about themselves. Right. We've had brain surgeons who are doing mind control experiments on mice. We've had today's episode. I, I just don't know where we're going to go from here. You know what I'm saying? 
I don't see how we could. I feel like we we hit the pinnacle peak, and <laughs> I don't know how we could possibly yeah. overcome this. Listener of the week. We're talking listener of the uh, listener yeah. of the listener year. of a lifetime. He's, yeah, a he's lifetime listener of a lifetime. lifetime. Cody, you are just the listener. It's in capital letter. Yeah, the listener. <laughs> Oh my god, listener. Well, dude, yeah. Co- Cody Jensen, thanks for joining oh us, man. Gosh. Thanks for listening all yeah, these years too. Yeah, thanks for listening, Cody. Yeah. yeah. Thank you so thanks, much. Man. Thanks for being uh 2 hours of of my uh week every week. <laughs> there you yeah. Go. Thanks, buddy. Oh, thanks, all man. right. Talk to you there. Thanks, man. Thanks. Well, like I said, if you want to be uh, a future listener of the week, hit us up on Twitter at Relevant Podcast and uh tell us three facts, three interesting facts about yourself. Uh the the more that they lead to good stories, the better. You know what I'm saying? See, are we learning. Yeah. yeah, we're getting the rhythm here. You know, some people get it. Yeah, yeah. just tee, tee up a good I, a good tale, spin a good yarn for us. Yeah. Oh, yeah. you guys. I just, yeah. that, again, mm. we don't know right now as we're talking what version of the Dennis Rodman story <laughs> you heard, but <laughs> we don't know how creative we can get with bleeps and edits. But let's just say you may not have heard everything, and things got weird. Real well, not weird. for. Let's be clear. Cody didn't get weird on us. No. Dennis Rodman got weird no. on Cody. No. Yeah. 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 Cody's, Cody's doing his part. Cody's which is a good recounting yeah, 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 yeah. This tale. wasn't a Cody problem. This is a Dennis Rodman. You guys. Oh That's probably my favorite. I mean, he really did bury the lead that his parents owned a water park. What a treat. Yeah. Yeah. What a just, great life. That's fact number one. You know, just yeah. my, I grew up my parents on right. water park. Yeah. I appreciated the development though. It's yeah. like a surprise. Yeah, yeah he knows what he's doing. Yeah. He knows what he's doing. Yeah, he's absolutely. a professional YouTuber, so yeah. <laughs> you know, see, he knows how to tell a story. Hey, many thanks to Eric Mendel for joining us. Uh, the first few episodes of the new church planning season of Startup are out now. Go check it out and follow along uh, if you want to know where to hang the Welcome Home banner in, uh, in your building. Um, <laughs> I'm trying to think of oh, any other, <laughs> or or what what software to put on the iPad for the children's check in for the, <laughs> there you for go. the yeah there you, you know, you know. Do, you, do you got the little stickers that they wear and you right. you know and how yeah. stickler how much of a stickler are when the parents come to pick up the kid do they need a yeah. hand in the little thing it's a whole whole thing the you whole know thing. right whole right thing, right whole yeah. thing. and where and where to put the fog machine is it like on the side <laughs> or is it the front or is it like top down how to clean up the middle school auditorium after can, Sunday's hey, done so they're ready honest? for Monday morning can yeah. I be honest I visited I was it was with you Cameron your church what's your church called there in Orlando Celebration um, Church yeah yeah. And it was one, it was in the early days and it was a morning. I don't know. They must have had a new fog machine guy. I got a little bit of a headache. They overfogged dude, it. They overfogged dude. it. That's embarrassing. And I feel like, you know, that's what these kind of stuff church planners got to learn. Sometimes you I overfog. Told, I'll, I'll be completely honest with you. I'm friends with our pastor. After about a year of the overfogging, I, we went to lunch and I'm just like, man, I just got to let you know. We're becoming known as that the church that overfogs. I mean, you're walking yeah. down the hallway to the school auditorium, and there's smoke billowing out of the I, auditorium it, doors. It, it literally gave me a headache. From you're overfogging. Like, what's really? the deal? They were overfogging. The classic that church planting mistake. The classic yeah. overfog. Well, you got the volunteer. He's enthusiastic. He wants to keep it a nice little steady pump, but it's just too much. You just haze He's and dumping let it... that fog fluid in there. You yeah. should feel it, not see it. It's called haze, not fog. Yeah, that's what they. Well, I think they went down to Halloween City and bought an actual fog machine, not a hazer. It's right. felt like I was yeah. in like a Sherlock oh, wow. Holmes novel in there. It was just. <laughs> <laughs> After our Bible reading today, we'll go ahead and tell you another Sherlock Holmes story. Yeah. He comes out with a pipe and a fedora. Yeah. No. Anyway, all right. Well, on that note, we'll wrap things up. Hey, the new issue of Relevant is out now. Go check it out. Uh, it's featuring Leon Bridges and Ethan Hawke and a bunch of great content. Uh, you can get it online at relevantmagazine.com and also newsstands nationwide. 
Um, many thanks to uh, also uh, Cody Jensen for joining us. Uh, really? That, many thanks to Cody Jensen. I'm just, I'm going to be thinking about that segment yeah. for a while. <laughs> same. Not volunteer. Same. Unfortunately, yeah, I will be thinking. Best one. Oh. Best one yet. For sure. Yeah. 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 Hands down. All right. On that note, we'll wrap it up. I'm Cameron Strang. I'm Chandler Strang. I'm Jesse Carey. Tyler Huckabee. And I'm Annie F. Downs. We'll see you next Wednesday. I told you once. I told you twice. Keep it up and they might come calling for you. Take it up. That's good advice. You only want now that they got everybody. Thank you for listening to The Relevant Podcast. If you like what you heard, be sure to leave us a review on iTunes. Check out other shows from the Relevant Podcast Network in the podcast section at relevantmagazine.com. And while you're there, browse exclusive podcast merchandise at our online store. Make sure to subscribe to Relevant Magazine. Info is available at relevantmagazine.com forward slash subscribe. It's All of a sudden, blow darts. Relevant Podcast Network.